Hello everyone, this is Xander Brothel, Director of Marketing Operations here at CS2 Marketing, and you are listening to the Forward Thinking Podcast. I have one of our favorite guests, former <laughs> hosts, Chrissy, joining me today. Thanks so much for joining. Hello, hello. I'm it's gonna get closer to the time where I can't be on these anymore, but <laughs> I know we're gonna get as many as we can while you're still here. Chrissy, uh, for for folks that are listening, you have quite a cool new background. Is that oh, yeah. uh, how you spent some of your time uh, around the holidays? Yeah, I was nesting a bit, um, and so I had to give up my my normal office for uh, the nursery, which was always the plan, which is why I was so barren before. Um, so now I have a new space and some nice CS2 logo and, and everything. So it's it. good. I like it so far. So we'll see. It's a good, it's good. a good upgrade and you didn't get too, uh, too attached to that previous space. No, <laughs> I it had like a cheap Amazon table in the background and like nothing else. <laughs> for everyone listening over the past few months who have been dealing with my echo, thank you so much for still listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, today, really fun topic that we're talking about. We're going to be tackling some career questions that you yeah. have received re uh, recently on your LinkedIn inbox yeah. from folks. Um, so definitely, definitely still a relevant topic for us. Uh, mm -hmm. It is sort of a weird time in operations, especially in B2B SaaS. Um, until the end of the summer, we had a huge boom and a fight for talent. And now things have turned really quickly. Um, but, you know, there's still plenty of opportunities out there um, and people who are maybe looking to get in after being laid off or having hiring freezes or, you know, just trying to figure out what's next for my career. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we find that operations is a great place to be. I know personally for me, I made a, I made a shift from non-marketing into marketing. So really looking forward to the topic today. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's a weird time. I mean, even this morning, like Salesforce announced like a, a big layoff again, like 10% of their staff. And so I think we're still kind of a little bit in the thick of it, but then you also see some like places are hiring and, and, um, you know, or some folks are kind of using this time to think about what, what's my next kind of move, um, yeah. for my career, uh, especially if they feel like, they're in a spot where maybe it feels like they're going down a path that doesn't have so much, um, I don't know, security or, or even like something that suits them too. So some people are also thinking career path changes. So yeah, the, the questions that we have, um, that I've gotten literally from real people send, I'm going to, I've already responded to them, but I'm going to send them this episode. <laughs> um, but I think are very top of mind, not just for them, but for other folks, I'm excited to dive into them. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. Um, so let's let's kick off with question number one, very close to, to your heart, I am sure. Um, can you share any of your learnings that you've had starting a consulting practice? Um, if there's any advice that you can share on best practices, pricing packages, or anything like that uh, would be amazing. Yeah. So I feel like this is a very layered, so I'm going to take it from like different approaches, but I will say that 
one thing that people should just do but also continue to do is just really think about like your network and I think a lot of the times people get a sense of like okay in order to do networking I have to go to events I have to be meeting people I need to do coffee chats and things like that and I think that's one one way you can do it and I suggest people find communities even now which make it a lot easier to connect outside of um you know, in-person events, which we don't have as many as we used to. Um, But I think even just thinking about how you interact with people at your current role and job um, is a great way to leave a lasting impact on people in your network. That can be really valuable that you can tap into. And um, I will say when Charlie and I first decided to start CS2, it was kind of for me at a pinnacle of like, okay, well, um, I'm going to just going to look back at my network and see if there's any interest in, in, um, people working with us and people that are familiar with, with my work. And I was really lucky that I had, it's hard to say this, but like I worked hard, you know, I, yeah. I feel like I, I connected with people. I always loved working cross-functionally with folks. I, Um, You know, if I was taking the train to work and it was the SDR manager, I would be meeting with her trying to get a sense for like, what are her goals and needs? And um, I just very much interested in just um, connecting with people internally and externally too. But I think it's a great place internally where you can kind of, people will remember you and know you for your work. And so I think that is this a great thing to do as you're building up your career, especially if you think one day, oh, I want to get into um, consulting or start a practice because that is, let's be honest, selling is hard. Like <laughs> trying to sell yourself and your services and especially now when budgets are tight, people will go based on recommendation, referrals. It's just how they're buying, you know, tools these days. And so from from day one, I I reached out to a lot of folks in my network and built a book of business just off that alone because um, I was able to um, have a lot of folks, you know, vouch for me and say, oh, yeah, I am interested or I would love that or actually I know this person um, who could be interested. And so um, – and a lot of those connections were just old coworkers that I worked with and maybe moved on to new companies. Um, and so I definitely think, you know, sometimes it can be hard too when you're working internally with folks. I think some people don't realize um, the impact that they make on people and, and also just trying to win people over, which you don't want to be forced. You want to be one, if you're not happy with what you're doing, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, but if you can be a kind of like a positive force within your role, people will remember that. People remember, oh, you know, Xander helped me with X, Y, Z. And then someone comes to them one day, oh, hey, we're having this issue with, you know, life cycle. Oh, I know someone who could be great for that. Maybe you connect with them. And so even if you're not even in consulting, sometimes people even just remember you for the work that you did and, and, and connect you. So I think that that is like my first thing, because if you're thinking about going into consulting, 
now and you do have a strong network, that's the first place I would start is really like put your feelers out there, connect with folks again, see if there's interest for freelancing or contracted work um, and then have those discussions. Um, yeah, so, so that's the, the first thing. Um, beyond that, it, you know, I will say as far as like packaging your services, and, and we have a great podcast on this um, in our archives uh, with um, Courtney and Grant Gregorian, and they used to have a podcast geared toward consultants, but we have an episode on it. So we'll probably, we can maybe link to that, but yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I think it's trying to figure out what makes sense, uh, for you. I think, um, when you are an independent consultant, I don't think you can compare yourself to an agency. So I want to make that kind of really clear because you don't have a lot of the same resources, um, expertise and everything like that, that like a full service team would. And so you might, have to think about, okay, when I, when I'm going to price my work, I might not be as expensive as an agency, but that could be appealing to some folks. Maybe they just want someone who's a little bit cheaper, but someone who can help them get things done. Um, you also have to remember that you, your skill set might be limited compared to what another agency would be. So taking on certain projects, I would definitely be really clear with your clients of like, what are your services? What can you take on? And don't be too broad and say yes to everything because <laughs> if you do that, you're going to set yourself up for um, failure. And I will say I've learned that before. At the beginning of CS2, we even, clients we saw needed web development and then we did it. That's not what we do now. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, we built websites and everything, and everything was great, but you end up having to tap into maybe some resources that you're just not comfortable with and subcontractors and things like that. So if you, even if you are a small team and not even just on your own. So I say, um, think when it thinks about your pricing, maybe, you know, talk to a few other consultants, see what the going rate is for the type of work that you're doing. But also know that don't try and compare it to like an agency who has a full service team and multiple people work on the account and a lot of deep expertise as well. Um, because there's added costs there too for running a full business versus being just like an individual uh, contributor. And then the, the last thing I would say is think about not just um, signing on for just a loose contract, but try and have kind of a retainer model or retained hours because the easiest thing for building up a book of business is having an idea of what your recurring revenue is going to be. And uh, like I said, selling is hard. So if you're going to have to do marketing or selling, stuff like that, you don't know what your revenue is going to be like a month from now. That is a lot of stress. And you, you may find that you're better off working in-house to um, get, you know, a paycheck, a very steady paycheck. It's one of the reasons why working for a company has its benefits. Um, cause you also do take on a lot of the other roles of the business as an individual contributor or small agencies where, you know, you need to sort out your insurance and your taxes and <laughs> things like that. So keep in mind too, that 
the amount of hours you have per week, you can't sell all of those. Otherwise, you're going to be working around the clock like crazy because there are going to be things with running the business that's going to take up your time. Yeah, that was going to be my follow up question is like, are, I always think about you get somebody who's very passionate about marketing ops, they want to start a marketing ops agency, but there's a lot of non marketing ops stuff that takes place. So did you struggle with that when you were starting CS2? And, and kind of how have you grown one way or another? Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I think when I get asked this question, I think if I, I didn't have um, you know, even saying a bit like didn't have Charlie as like a partner, um, who had like, we kind of split out some of those roles. So I was very much interested in kind of, okay, what are we going to consult on? Um, you know, b selling at that time. Now he's <laughs> our best seller, but, uh, you know, figuring out projects and, and things like that. And at the same time, Charlie was helping me figure out how, you know, how do we track our hours and, uh, you know, how, how are we sending invoices to clients and, and things like that. And there's so many good tools now, like Gusto or things like that, that literally people can just sign up for like freemium, like we didn't have back then. So I will say just the learning experience for, for us was just like always figure, trying to figure out, you know, what tools can we use? What can we automate? Um, are we using the right tools? Um, insurance, making sure that you're accounting for like just costs also, yeah. Uh, do a lot of research into uh, taxes and think about how you can find a really good person to help you with taxes because as most uh, business owners find out your first tax bill is a very humbling experience so <laughs> <laughs> uh, making sure they're done the right way or if there's any savings that you can get um, a, a person who is kind of managing that for you so I think um, some of those have been learning experiences over time, but we've always kind of leaned into adopting. I think maybe it's our marketing ops background, but or just ops background, but we've always kind of adopted process and tools earlier than what people think for our size. Um, and so we just continue to try and do that, not over engineering things, but just making sure we had a lot of processes, um, systems and things like that early on that were efficient that maybe, you know, other people weren't doing, um, but can, can be tricky when a client asks you, well, how long did this take you to do? Or, um, you know, what, what can you, um, share your roadmap with me or, you know, something like that. So, um, I think leaning into that, if it, you know, if we're talking to op a lot of operators right now, if you're in demand gen, um, you know, kind of leaning into some of those uh, operational kind of tasks are very important and, and shouldn't really be slipped. So, and if you need help, go and find help, um, yeah. connect with people, ask them questions. Um, and that's a lot of what we did too. Um, I knew a few other uh, con, you know, consultants at the time. And we kind of leaned on each other and asked each other questions at times too. So that your, you know, your network again can be really valuable in those positions. The network can help get business and it can also help you manage the business <laughs> and learn from other people's learnings as well. Right. Yeah. And I, when we talk about like building an agency, cause I know this was directed at someone who's really dipping their toe into, 
consulting, but when you're thinking about really building out a business and agency, I will say all those systems get tested at every like milestone of adding on more people. And, um, I will say like at CS2, we've grown and I, like, I love our team. We're going to continue to grow, but I also think that there are times where people grow at kind of all costs. And I think you want to think about what your goals are as like a business and think about, you know, is it, are you creating those goals because you think that those should be your goals? Is that someone else's goal? Um, what's your vision? Why are you doing something? And so you very much need to sometimes drown out some of that outside noise of what other people's goals are, um, cause they might be driven by different things. Um, and so it, it, we, we've done that and I've sometimes almost second guessed myself over time and as well as Charlie as well. And, and so just think about it more in terms of what's really going to serve you, what's going to create the business that you want, what's going to create the team that you want and get after that. And because other people are going to have different goals. Yeah, that's great. That's great feedback. I mean, you can always, you can always look externally, but you know, there's a million decisions that you've made that are different than the millions of decisions that somebody else has made. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they might like seem from the outside, like they're making better decisions, but you never know, like some, some, some businesses that are really like growing are not growing anymore yeah. or they're half the size and, and think about the impacts on that. So, um, yes, in some ways, like listen to yourself, stick to your guns. Um, and if you're also thinking about going to consulting on your own, um, you want to think about all the other things in your life too, that might be reasons and motivations for doing it. But, um, you want to make sure you can align to that and, and do the best case scenario. So if you have like a family and there's a lot of risk involved and, and things like that, it might not be the best time. Mm -hmm. But if you can guarantee you can meet like your minimum expenses that you have at least to start and you feel like there's an upside for growth, then maybe that is a good, good time. Um, but the initial, the initial phase can be pretty challenging, especially if you still want to also give a lot of time to other things in your life, um, like personal endeavors or your family and, and things like that. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, yeah. but sometimes not. Sometimes it suits that, especially for, um, you know, moms, if you're looking to try and get half time work, it could be a good thing because you can take on maybe one client and then, um, still meet your goals. So it's very, very much tied to the individual and what their goals are. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of that. Really valuable input. Um, you know, not all of us have an opportunity to start our own business or our own practice. And what I will say as yeah. somebody who works for your practice and works for your company, like the, the very purposeful um, and thoughtful approach to growth that you have had is something that I think a lot of companies could learn from and a lot of leaders could learn from because you've always focused on, you know, making it a great place to work, making it a great experience for the customer and not just grow at all costs. And we've all been a part of those experiences with teams that grow too fast and you feel all of the the pains. And, you know, we, we definitely work really hard to not have those pains felt uh, by our customers for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it starts with like, 
like I said, if you start your business with certain goals in mind, I think ours, we were like, we know that we wanted to create a place where you can, people can just do good work and not have some of the stresses that come with like some other environments. And yes, it's, it's, you know, you're not a, it doesn't mean your job is not going to be a little bit stressful. <laughs> like everything in life can be a little bit stressful, but, um, just trying to limit that. And so if you just can, you know, if you start that with that mission, I think it can be really, um, easy, you know, a lot easier to like maintain and not get straight away unless you have kind of like a good kind of vision and goal to start. So, but yeah. thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, Running a consulting agency is not for everybody. Uh, the next question that we have is a really good one as well. Uh, this person asks, my brother is looking at changing careers and getting into operations. He just got his Salesforce administrator certificate, but it looks like all jobs out there, even entry level, are requiring previous experience. Do you have any advice yeah. for him? Yeah, and I have a lot of sympathy sympathy for him as well <laughs> because it is a very real um, issue. I think companies, especially right now, they don't want – it's hard for them to take a chance on kind of like entry-level people, especially in ops because they know, well, you don't learn this in college. Yeah. You know, like most of the time. And so what they're looking for is like, oh, we need someone with a bit of a resume. And so, you know, back in the day, or at least when I started, you would go down like an internship route and maybe do like more of a general role. And I kind of like many people just found myself in more of an operating role and, and demand gen role. And, and so, um, it can feel tricky when you're like, well, how do, how do I make a break? Like, like, is it impossible? You know? <laughs> um, and so I, I think my feedback for this, I think one thing that he's already done is taking a step to get a certification, which is great, especially like a Salesforce certification. Um, for those who are on the marketing side, there are some certifications that are more easier to get than others, especially on the HubSpot mm -hmm. side. So I always tell people like, hey, if you're interested in marketing automation, start out looking at HubSpot. Like go, go, they have a lot of resources. They're free. You can, even if you want to pay for an instance, it's very cheap, but you can get kind of like free versions. But if you weren't really want to start like testing and using it yourself, um, I don't know, like come up with like a little like fake business or something even and do scenarios or create emails for yourself, <laughs> send out your holiday card, you know, whatever. Like there's a lot of like fun things you can do to test it out, but, um, they have a lot of free resources, training and certifications, which all of that is great to add to your resume. Um, and then think about how you can maybe add that to like practical, um, projects. So some companies might be interested in, um, in kind of like an internship or kind of like a, um, you know, assist or help on certain projects. Agencies are, are always kind of very interested in some younger talent who maybe even have like a, a base because then they have like the, um, the training materials or programs involved, especially larger agencies. Yeah. And so I definitely suggest um, kind of reaching out to those 
Um, if you're not in, if you're not sure if it's the right fit, you can even say like, "Hey, I would be interested in helping out on a few projects." You can't charge the same like rate that like someone with experience would, but at least you can then build up some experience and see, "Oh, maybe I like working at this agency," or maybe this agency isn't right for me, but I like the type of work, and I can then add some of this and get like a um, that experience with real life uh, companies, and so. Um, I, I think trying to be open to taking a step down to take a step up is what I would say in this situation. So, um, that might mean doing kind of like an internship or contract to hire type of situation and, and don't expect to just get hired for a full-time job, like out the gate, especially in this market. But there could be, there could be some roles, especially, um, more junior roles, but know that you might put it, have to put in a little bit of time, especially, um, maybe not getting paid the same amount as you would if you're doing like a second life, if you were getting um, paid really well before, but know that if you work hard and if you really like any do well, there could be, um, an expedite upside. I think employers, if they're smart, they're always going to see where people are trying hard and where there's talent and they're going to like reward that. And so if you're really dedicated I would say like go for it yeah you know (laughs) do it do what you can um and you may be able to expedite you know a promotion faster than maybe um some others would in another job especially when you're always kind of reinvesting in yourself um I I'll say from experience I did a lot of that early on my career was a, a little bit easier back then I was single I had no kids um but I would take my weekends and train myself on um, tools and, and certain things and when there wasn't a lot of resources out there. And so, yeah, it might be you just there's a lot of communities, you know, get, tap into those, just be a sponge and um, be okay with taking on smaller jobs and roles in order to get the big one. Yeah. It's, it's an investment. You're investing in the certification, you're investing in the career, but you know, there is a lot of potential growth there. Um, so if it's, if it's right, I absolutely agree. Like take that, take that opportunity. No manager is going to see like moving down to move up as a bad thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you had a little bit of like a second life, Sanders. So how did, how did you, how did you kind yeah. of like make I mean, I was, I was managing a support team of 14 people. And I remember having a conversation yeah. with, uh, the, this person was the vice president of the product team. And I said, Hey, I kind of want to move over into it, but I'm going to have to kind of go back down. And, and that was his advice. I would never look down on somebody going backwards to go upwards. Um, you yeah. know, it was like, if you're, if you don't want to be a manager or a director of support for your entire career, you've got to make the decision to, to make the move and you can't just moved into another manager position, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, <laughs> there's certainly, there's certainly teams that maybe, that you can could, be, yeah. but you know, I wanted to go into a very practical space and that's what got me into kind of a business analyst role, which eventually got me to Salesforce and then the marketing ops. So mm-hmm. you kind of, you kind of yeah. make that that transition and it took a lot of hard work, but it was well, well worth it. Um, I think that another area that you, that, that we can recommend is uh, finding volunteer work. 
Um, I actually oh, yeah. managed a Meals on Wheels, a local Meals on Wheels uh, Salesforce instance, and they just had it for their donors mm-hmm. and they didn't really know how to use it. So I was able to come in and build some automation and build some reporting and just like actually have projects that, you know, they needed the help with. Um, I needed the experience and it was a good way to uh, to really put that into practice for me. Oh yeah. You bring up a really good point. I I've seen that a lot too. And there are some like kind of nonprofit or some organizations that will actually make those connections, especially if you have the Salesforce certification or they'll actually help you get certified and then pair you with a nonprofit. Um, I'll try and think of a few and maybe we can include them in the show notes. Um, there are some geared towards, uh, moms, there are some geared toward um, veterans, like even so um, th- that offer a path for them, but just in general too. And, but like you said, you could find a nonprofit like probably around you or that you're connected to. I have, um, I have a friend who back in the day volunteered for like the Melinda, uh, the Melinda Gates, like foundation, Bill Gates's um, ex-wife and, uh, they use Salesforce as well. And, and that was like one, one of her like entry kind of experiences into Salesforce and learned a lot. Um, and yes, it's not like directly the same as what you would maybe do for like a B2B SaaS company, but anything, um, any experience like that with an actual organization can open up some opportunities and, and get you insight into just like what a real business is looking for. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other the other thought that I had is um, kind of along my my path, which was, you know, you don't if you're if you want to become a Salesforce admin, you don't need to just find Salesforce jobs. Sales operations jobs True. are a great place to get ingrained in the sales process. Um, and mm-hmm. I would say, you know, working with a Salesforce admin that understands sales operations is like mm-hmm. such a strength. Because they've been through mm-hmm. it and they and they really know the systems um, and the processes and the people. So they can now apply that when they do get that Salesforce job. Um, same thing, just marketing mm-hmm. operations. Like if you can move into a role, maybe a general marketer or an email manager or something that is utilizing the systems that you're certified in. And then you can make that jump into the full, you know, operations manager role um, is is another area to think about. Yeah. And I actually like that too. You brought up a good point of like, if you're going to do your self-education or like if you are open to certain more broad roles, it's not a bad thing because I think what makes a good operator, what makes a good like, uh, you know, um, even dimension person, but like just having that business context, um, being able to understand the business. So even listening to a podcast like ours, um, listening to other kind of like bigger marketing podcasts, like Refine Labs has a lot of great content, but just broadening your like knowledge to not just, okay, how does this tool work? Cause yeah, like that's only one small piece of it, but if you understand, okay, what are, what are companies really interested in? How, how are they doing reporting? What are CMOs really looking for? Um, just really educating yourself on the revenue team itself, what the goals are and, and how a business runs will just make you more attractive because not only do you know how to use a tool, but then you know 
why, when, how to use it, who would be the, you know, your people you would be working with. And uh, that's even more valuable. So I kind of agree with you. I even think it's a better career path of like go into more of like a broader kind of role, learn as much as you can. Um, that doesn't, it's a little bit harder too, but that can be very useful um, to dip your toes into um, just the business world in general. And it'll make doing like operations a lot easier. I think when we find that some operators have tunnel vision, they, where they're not really, they're only like trying to be good at using a tool, you can actually stifle your career. Yeah. I mean, how many times do we get into a room and we're talking about requirements? And if you don't understand (laughs) like the business process and the best practice or better practice, maybe, um, you just say yes to everything without realizing, should I be doing this? And there's a big difference between can I do it and should I do it? And you only know if you should through that experience. So um, I think it's a good place to to look for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So question number three, and, and this is our final question that we had on the LinkedIn side is I'm trying to pivot my career from marketing in the travel industry to marketing in the tech industry. So an industry shift. Ultimately, I have dreams yeah. of becoming a CMO for a small business someday. Can marketing ops career tracks lead to this somehow? Uh, what are some considerations or keys to uh, to leading marketing or revenue ops teams, especially now? Yeah, this was like one of the trickiest questions because it was like very, <laughs> two, it's very it's layered, layered as, well. as well. Yeah, there's there's kind of two. It's questions, very layered. Right? Um. I will say for switching industries, um, one of the best things you can do is this is where networking can be really valuable to you. Like buy coffee for someone that you maybe get connected to or do reach out to some people on LinkedIn that like have the role that you want. Not a lot of people are going to say yes, um, but if you offer to say like, hey, just want to connect with you for like 15 minutes, this, this is why. Like, I think the problem with like, you need to make it very clear that like, you're not trying to just get stuff from them. You're not a salesperson. And if anything, if you could offer up uh, or try and figure out a mutual uh, benefit for, you know, them, like if they know someone that you already know or something like that, then that would be useful. Mm-hmm. But just I think hearing about another person's role that you're trying to switch to to compare to your own um, is really useful because there might be just some slight uh, differences between uh, a tech environment versus like a travel environment. But I will say that probably not, <laughs> probably not huge, yeah. huge differences. The only difference might be for business to consumer, there's just some extra considerations versus b2b where the scale is different the tools that maybe you're using are a little bit different but there could be some things that translate well if it's completely different then you might find okay maybe this is gonna mean i need to like you said take a step back into maybe a different kind of role first than going straight into like i'm gonna be a leader at this company and now i'm gonna be a leader at this company and I've actually seen some people in my network do that where they're like in more of a B2C role and they're interested in getting into B2B and instead of going to another VP role, they took a step down 
because they wanted to just really get back into more of an IC role and understand how a tech company worked, especially startups. Um, and But then there's still a path to grow, which a startup sometimes will look for. They might be like, okay, well, right now we can hire you as a director, but maybe in the future we can, you can go back to being a VP and um, they might be more interested. So it might mean doing a little bit of like some level setting there, especially if you're changing industries. As far as like the goal to be a CMO from like an operator kind of leader role or operations leader, um, I think this is like more well positioned now. And it'd be interesting to hear what you think too, Sander. But um, I think before we didn't even really see leaders of operations. So it's hard to say like, oh, is there a path? I don't know. <laughs> um, just because it was so new. Um, and a lot of the time CMOs just ended up managing those teams. Um, but I will see, say, and then operations has evolved. It used to be like, oh, these are the, this is the team that manages like your email tool or yeah. something or, uh, whatnot. So, but now like operations, if done well, if you're focused on kind of the whole like growth architecture for the revenue team, which is kind of like where CSU, um, focuses on not just not just marketing ops but really like how are we supporting the whole like growth function um that can be really valuable because you know the inside and out yeah. like the strategy part can sometimes be the easiest um but the hard parts are like okay how can how are teams going to be aligned how are they going to be gold how are they going to be measured what type of measurement and analytics do we need and let's be honest, once you become a CMO, a big part of your job is hiring, measuring, measuring your team's performance and setting goals yeah. and making decision, final decisions based on those, <laughs> those things, how much resources you have, you know, what tools you have and like how much budget you have and, and then aligning that to your goals. So that's a CMO's job in a sense. And, and there's very, and then a lot of times then you're just building decks to prove out why you made all this. <laughs> right. Right. It's a lot of, it's a lot of communication and relationship building across the org. And... Right. Right. And so I think marketing ops also, like you said, you're you're working with, um, or CMOs are working with people across the org, but you have a lot of insight into how the whole revenue function works, which is why I say focus on the business side. And so if you're only leading like an operations team and just, if you're doing it in a way where you're not thinking about the business goals and aligning to the business OKRs and objectives, I would say, okay, maybe not a good path, but um, if you can actually prove out and work on those projects where you're actually, you know, building out a life cycle, figuring out a communication orchestration plan, doing, figuring out how to align sales with marketing and, um, you know, prioritizing accounts, targeted ABM, you know, strategy, operationalization. Those are all like uh, operators are kind of being tapped to do but bridge the line between operations, strategy, analytics. Um, and we definitely suggest kind of focusing on all three. And so if you can build out a career of doing that with your operations team, I think you're well-suited to become a CMO. Or, or at minimum, we might find that it's not even a CMO. It's just going to be like a chief 
you know, marketing operations officer. Like we'll maybe see more of those or a chief revenue operations officer or leading a rev ops team, which I have like some <laughs> opinions on whether it should, but, um, but I, I think that there's opportunity, but I think being able to prove out and, and balance that you're able to do like both where you're focusing on the business objectives, you're very much like well um, educated on creating, um, you know, reporting analytics, figuring out how to make better decisions for the marketing team and then how the whole team and revenue function can really operate well and create a great customer experience, which is at the end of the day, like the biggest goal of customer experience and revenue, generating more deals, then yeah, I think there's room for that. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think especially as as CMOs become more data oriented, metrics oriented, um, you know, you have teams to do the creative side, and there's certainly marketing ops people that are creative people as well. Um, but I think that yeah. that's probably where a lot of folks didn't see marketing ops moving into a CMO role is because like, well, you're not doing yeah. the marketing, you're not creating the events or creating the collateral or or you know doing that sort of thing, but it's so much more geared toward, I mean, a CMO is spending as much time on operations sometimes as the marketing operations person. So it's totally. so ingrained now that I think that there is a path. Um, but you have to ask yourself, why do you want to become a CMO? You know, it, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being a MOPS director, VP. There's nothing wrong with being a MOPS manager for your entire career, because as long as you're doing the tasks and working on the on the work that brings you joy, that's awesome. Um, and I think that sometimes we always mm -hmm. just think like, oh, I have to climb to the next thing and the next thing. And sometimes you want to, but really check on like what, what's driving that desire. If it's to lead a marketing team, I think that a MOPS leader can absolutely do that. Um, if it's because you think that that's the only the only trajectory to do within marketing, you know, it takes some time to figure out like what is it that that is really driving you to mobs. Um, there's there's a, yeah. a multitude of opportunities, and we're working with some some people who have made that move. You know, some of my clients are totally. people who used to do mobs and are now leading the as the CMO of an organization, which is so cool to see. Um, and I don't think that mm -hmm. we, we necessarily expected that when it was, oh, you're the email automation person. You know, it's it, it's grown mm -hmm. to be so much more than that. Totally. And I think it's like trying to understand what the company's looking for. Some really want a brand focused CMO. Mm -hmm. Some want one who's more focused on the actual like planning and analytics and making and being very much data driven. Um along with kind of signing off. And I will say like the creative side that you're talking about, for a lot of us, we've started in demand gen roles, creating campaigns, working in campaign execution at the very beginning. And so we've seen a lot of what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. as well as set things up so we can understand like what resources are needed and involved, how much time it takes to. So I think that all of that knowledge and realistic um, expectations makes a great CMO that can operate well and set realistic goals for their own yeah. team too and know it works. They can sign off on, you know, a nurture because they're like, oh, that's a great strategy. You know, I've seen that work really well or I could see that work really well. I know how to, I know how we can measure yeah. that. And, and I, just to kind of 
follow up on that. I think that there's another big piece of the CMO role is just understanding the business and understanding how to communicate what they're doing to the business. CMOs that Mm -hmm. I find to be very effective are the ones that can go toe to toe with the CFO and defend their budget, defend their, their metrics and their results. So, you know, that's a unique position that we have in mops is oftentimes we are working with, with, sales operations, we're working with finance, we're doing annual planning, you know, all of those sorts of things. The more the more times that you can be responsible for setting up the QBR or being responsible for setting up the annual plans, those are all skills and experiences that you're bringing to the table as a future CMO. So don't shy away from that, yeah. that you know, strategic side um, in favor of saying, well, that's somebody else's job. Totally. If someone, if this is really resonating with you right now too, and you want to kind of see a conversation, um, please go back and listen to our past podcast. One with a guest, Jason Whiteup, who is a VP of marketing at metadata.io. He now is kind of in a CMO-ish type of position and has a background in ops. We also have one with a longtime client and friend, Leah Allen, talking about analytics specifically. So it is a bit deeper in the archives, but She's a great person to connect to as well, who's now currently a CMO. So, but just another few great listens to kind of get into the mind of someone who's kind of made those career paths for themselves. Chrissy, any other just closing thoughts? If I had, if I had a 30 second coffee break with you, what would you want to leave me with from a career perspective? I will say that it's it's one thing I, I think I, I think it would be a lot of the things I've echoed here, but one thing I would say is just like be curious, work hard, and like just be genuine to like to yourself and like what suits you, but know that like things don't just come kind of like to you. Sometimes you need to seek out opportunities yourself. Be the manager of yourself. Manage up. So a lot of people will like be like, oh, my career is so stifled. My boss isn't doing X, Y, Z. Well, your boss isn't there to do X, Y, Z for you in some cases or don't bank on it. So don't don't look at like your career or, or with some of the layoffs. Like, yes, that's a hit to your ego. And I feel for all the people that are going through this right now. But just use that as some inspiration to think about, you know, okay, how can I then network a bit more with some folks, really put my feelers out there and be vulnerable, but work hard, you know, but also don't work too, too hard, but work hard and work smart. Um, And know that like you can make paths for yourself, you can make changes. And there's a lot of like opportunities out there that can just be found um, through your own kind of hard work and motivation and self-improvement. And, um, I, I think in some cases, people, especially people entering the market in the last few years, maybe didn't see what, like it was a little bit easier, you know, and now we're feeling this again for folks. Like I think probably yourself and myself, like when we entered the job market, it was hard. We're coming off a recession and, you had to kind of, you know, explore and invest in yourself, be open to doing roles that maybe wasn't perfectly aligned with what you thought. 
And so we talked about it a bit here a few times, but sometimes you need to take a step down and take a step forward. But sometimes you just need to also just take the initiative yourself um, to, to, to do some of that and know that like your opportunities aren't just going to kind of fall into your lap. Um, I know I sound a bit like a, like an old boomer or something, but I was more <laughs> um, like, oh, back in my day, we had to do this. But like, um, it's true. I, I think that, uh, you know, you're never going to regret investing time into your own career and trying to make um, opportunities for yourself. And, and there's always a solution yeah. for something. You just have everything's figure outable. Absolutely, I, I I love that feedback there. Uh, I remember having having a conversation with somebody that I was leading who said, you know, I don't feel like you're doing enough for my career, and I was like, well, you know, it's your career, and we need, you know, I'm here <laughs> to help support, but I'm not here to push, right? And if you if you feel like you're in that similar situation, definitely take what Chrissy said to heart. It's it's yours. You have responsibility, and you have people that you can leverage and uh, and lean on. So that's fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Chrissy. This was a lot of really great information. I think that it's going to be very valuable for folks that are in similar situations now or perhaps in the future. Um, so thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I love this conversation. Could talk I about know. it all day. We might have to again <laughs> when you're back. Um, so yeah. this has been the Forward Thinking Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, we very much appreciate your uh, your listen today. Uh, please do give us a review if you have not already. Uh, and share this with a friend. Share this with a friend who is either looking for something uh, or maybe share this with somebody who is looking to hire uh, and find those opportunities to bring in some new talent into the marketing operations pool. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you.